0: And all God's people said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Do you hear it? It's that amazing grace. Amen. I pray this morning that uh, you have heard God sing over us through these beautiful singers this morning. And what an anthem for us to experience together as we worship through song and now through God's Word. And I pray this morning that uh, we would realize that worship is not about us. Hear me. It's not about us. It's about Him. Amen? And God wants us to worship Him this morning. God wants us to experience Him this morning. This morning, we will be continuing our journey through the book of Exodus. And uh I want you to know not only does today's text show us who the Israelites are it shows us who we are it shows us who we are I want to remind you that just 8 chapters ago before the Israelites had entered into a uh, before they had entered into a covenant with the Lord so in Exodus chapter 24 they enter into this covenant, and it's called the, the the sign of the covenant. And they enter into this covenant with God, and it's very similar. Uh, the only way I can describe it is, is it's kind of like when a bride and groom get married, they say these they, they say these words to one another, "I do." But they don't just say "I do." They say, "I will do this and this and this and this." And so the same thing happens here in Exodus chapter twenty-four, some eight chapters before. Chapter thirty two, and listen to what God's word says in Exodus twenty four, verse three. We looked at this a few weeks back, and this is what God's word says. Moses came and told the people all the words that the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. If you remember that, we dove into this text, and I got to verse 3 when I was teaching it a few weeks back, and I stopped, and I said, you know, it's amazing if we're not careful how we will say we will do something, but we need to be very careful what we say we will do. Does that make sense? And I think too often we say yes to things, and we don't consider the fact that when we say yes to something, somebody is expecting us to follow through with our yes. Are you with me? They're not, they're not realizing that when we say, I do to something, or especially when we make a covenant or a contract, and I understand that we live in a day where contracts and covenants and all that kind of stuff doesn't really hold a lot of weight anymore, but it should. I can remember as a kid, my dad telling me, son, when you shake a man's hand, you look him in the eye, and that handshake means something. Now we got 14 pages of documents and everybody signs and guess what? It doesn't mean anything. You just go get a lawyer and if you're a lawyer today and that's how you make your money, I I, I apologize if that's what you have to do for a living, but I also apologize that I'm calling you out on this morning. But the reality is, is lawyers can help us get around that. Can they not? Why? Because contracts don't mean anything anymore. Just look at college football. Look at college basketball. We could go on and on and on, but here's the point I want to make. When you make a covenant to God, when you say yes to God, God doesn't take that yes and go, okay, well, in a couple of days when you don't want to do that anymore, we're good. That's not how God works. When you tell God you're going to do something, guess what? You better do it. Why? Because when God tells you he's going to do something, what's going to happen? He's going to do it. He's going to do it. So in chapter 24... They enter in almost like this marriage relationship the Israelites do with God. And it says, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules, and all the people answered with one voice. Here's what I'm always leery of. So thankful for Chad uh, leading our disciple now this weekend, and I did student ministry for 20 years. If students answered all with one voice, with one answer, I always questioned if they were telling the truth. Like, if they all said, yes, sir, all at one time, and it was in unison, I'm like, mm, something ain't right here. You know what I'm talking about. Like, when they say it in unison, you're like, mm, might ought to check that. But they answered in Exodus chapter 24. All that the Lord said, we will do. Guys, they're still on their honeymoon in Exodus chapter 32 that we're going to look at this morning with the Lord. When we get to Exodus 32, they're about to cheat on their first love while they're still on their honeymoon. Before you react like I do so often to something that is said to me or about me that I don't like, my tendency is to react. If you're honest with yourself, you do the exact same thing. So like here's the reality. Not only are the Israelites about to commit adultery or going to commit adultery with God, we do the same thing every day. You're going, I don't get it. God's word is very clear in Exodus chapter 20. There shall be no other gods before me. That's in Exodus chapter 20. Twelve chapters later, they're about to cash in their belief, their conviction, their ministry, their faith, because Moses is taking, excuse me, too long to come down from the mountain. Many theologians say that Moses was there for about 40 days and 40 nights and they are complaining, hey, where's Moses? Where's Moses? And they're about to blow it because they're not patient. And too often when we hear a text like this, you know what automatically happens? The Holy Spirit begins to show us in this text and we get all mad about it. So what do we do? We react to, oh, that's not me. No, I, 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 that's not me. You don't know me. If you knew me, you, you would know. Well, here's the deal. I don't know you, and guess what? You don't know me. We think we know each other, but we don't really know each other. The point that I'm trying to make is is this. Too often when we hear truth, and it doesn't apply to what we see as truth, or it doesn't point us to being good people, we will automatically want to be reactors, Man, I am a reactor. Say something I don't like, I'm reacting. Here's the problem with reacting. Usually you get mad and emotional all at the same time. You're going, what's the difference? I thought mad was a type of emotion. No, 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 no. You can be mad about something and not be emotional. The ladies in the room are about to, um, they're, they're about to resonate with, I'm about, with, with what I'm about to say. A woman can get mad at something, and if she's not emotional, it didn't happen. Quit looking at your spouses, man, because she's about to get emotional on you, and then she's going to be mad all at the same time, and then we're going to have that lay on hands in here this morning. The point I'm making is, is you can be mad about something and frustrated about something, but if you get emotional about it, now all of a sudden it's kind of like a dishwasher, okay? There's a spin cycle going on, there's water flying everywhere, and something's probably about to get broke. I'll never forget, Beth and I had not been married very long. I know some of y'all think we're to- that we're super spiritual. My wife is an amazing woman. I consider myself a pretty good dude, but can I tell you something? We're both sinners, okay? It didn't take long in our marriage. I think we were married three days, okay? <laughs> no joke, on our honeymoon, she asked the question, hey, where do you want to go eat? I'm like, I where do you want to go eat? I-, I don't care. Where do you want to go eat? You know where this is going. Can you just not make your mind up and tell me where you want to go eat? And that's not me saying that. That's her saying that to me. And I know y'all are going, oh, Beth is so sweet and innocent. She is, but can I tell you something? When it comes to food and she is hungry and you don't make a decision, the wrath of Beth is about to come upon you, okay? Most of us in this room are guilty of that. When we're hungry, we want something to eat, okay? Three days later after that, we're on our way home from our honeymoon. We're coming through Nashville. We've been given everything you could possibly imagine for our wedding gifts, okay? We got pieces of plates and bowls and forks and knives in our house that have never had food on them, and we've been married 20 years, Now if I could sell those and make some money off of it and she didn't know they were gone, they'd already been sold, but then there would be another type of emotion and there would be another type of madness and y'all probably would not have the current pastor in front of you because she would probably kill a brother. (laughs) We're coming through Nashville. She has wanted to get a bedspread for our bed and she had some extra money. Six days, okay, we've been married. Maybe five. We stop at this outlet mall. We get it. We start heading toward Nashville, and I say, "Hey, when we get close to Nashville, I'll stop and eat." Well, we go further and further and further because I'm wanting to get closer to home. You know what I'm saying? Honeymoon's pretty much over. We're gonna stay this last night. We're gonna drive back in the Cleveland, and you know we're gonna be good. I pull over because I think I'm going the right way. I didn't ask for directions. This is before GPS. Our phones at that time, the only thing you could do on it was play snake, okay? It didn't tell you where you were going. All right, I pull off. I am not in a good neighborhood, okay? And she goes, I am hungry. I am hungry. I am hungry. You told me you were taking me to an olive garden, and I am hungry. And I look around, and there is no olive garden in sight. And I'm thinking, this is going to be the fastest marriage ever. We just said I do Saturday. It is Friday. She is going to kill me, and our wedding is going to be over. The point I'm making is, is that too, too often, if we're not careful, emotions will overcome us, and we will get mad, and we will react instead of respond. True story. Yesterday, I went and visited a really good friend of mine that's a mentor of mine, Johnny Flint. Some of y'all might have heard he is not doing well. And I was visiting with Brother Johnny and Miss Joanne and Catherine, his daughter, and his son Jay and their families. And when I walked in the room to just tell him I love him, tell him I was praying for him and his family, it, re- it reminded me of a time when I was a youth guy at North Oxford. He was my administrator. He was my boss. And he asked me to do something. Okay? What I'm about to tell you is called insubordination. Okay? But I was 20-something years old and, I, you know, he told me to do something. I didn't want to do it. And so I told him no. And he told me yes, and I told him no, and he told me yes, and I told him no, and I got mad because I didn't want to do what he told me to do. He finally looked at me in Brother Johnny fashion with calmness in his voice and said, you know, Fish, you're a reactor, son, because I'm reacting with much passion and much excitement and much emotion, and he said, son, you need to learn how to respond And to be real honest with you, I did not really want to hear that unbelievable knowledge at that moment, but the dude was right. And yesterday when I went to go see him, probably in one of his last days on this earth, I'm reminded that this mentor of mine taught me something that is so beautiful and so amazing that when we get mad, we can either react or we can respond. Now see, if he'd have told me that before I ever got married, I could have totally handled the first six days of my marriage, but I couldn't even be married six days without us fighting twice. And guess what? Both times it was over food because we like to eat at our house. The point that I'm making is, is we're going to see in Exodus chapter 32 this morning that God had an opportunity to react and he had an opportunity to respond. Before we go any further, I want us to pray. And this morning, I want us to pray for, for Johnny and Miss Joanne and Catherine and Jay, I see a lot of y'all kind of moving around and talking to one another. Um, he, he had kidney failure. His kidneys were not able to catch back up. He's been on dialysis. It just doesn't look very good. And so they called his family in yesterday, and they're just asking us to pray. And so I want us to pray for Brother Johnny and Miss Joanne and Catherine and Jay and their families this morning. And then I want us to pray for this text, that as we identify ourselves in this text, that we won't react to it and get mad but that we'll respond the way God wants us to respond. So I want us to pray this morning that today God would give us the ears to hear that we are as much a part of this story as the Israelites are and that God would give us the courage to do something about it, as well as pray for the Flint. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, for your love. I thank you for your devotion to us. God, I thank you for great men of faith like Johnny Flint. And God, I thank you for his legacy. And I thank you, God, that even though that he might be in his last days or his last hours, God, his legacy will live on forever because of the people that he has shared Christ with. And God, my, I'm impacted by him. My family is impacted by him. And so many in this room are impacted. So we pray for Ms. Joanne and for Catherine and her family, Jay and his family. And we pray for peace and comfort in these days. And then, God, I want to pray for us this morning. God, too often when we see a familiar text like Exodus chapter 32 about the golden calf, we automatically go, oh yeah, here it comes, idols, idols, idols. But God, every one of us are guilty of it. So this morning I pray that your word go before us, that your word speak to us. God, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and an action to do something about it. God, hide me behind your cross, forgive me, clean me up, use me as your vessel in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, there's no way that we're going to be able to touch on all 35 verses. So we're going to take chunks, and we're going to dive into these chunks. And the first thing I want you to see right off the bat is look at verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him here's what i want you to understand first or here's what i believe that god's trying to share with us this morning in this text is number one god's timing is not our timing god's timing is not our timing okay they're sitting here saying hey look undoubtedly moses must have got delayed we don't know what's come of this guy you need to make us god so that we can worship gods because we need a god that we can see and a god that we can touch and so they more or less say to aaron up Look at that terminology. Up. Make God who shall go before us as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land. We don't know what's come of him. We don't, know where, we don't know where he's at. By the way, most theologians, most commentaries say that Moses had only been up on the mountain for about 40 days. Hear me, church. 40 days. Wrap your mind around that for a second. They have become impatient because of 40 days. And it's easy for us to point those fingers, is it not? Are we not guilty? God doesn't answer a prayer for us. We, we've, been, we've been looking for a job. We, we've been asking God to heal this person. We've been asking God to do this. And God doesn't answer it the way we answer. All of a sudden, we become just like them. We start going, what are we going to do? And can I tell you something? Don't, re- don't, don't miss this, that God's timing is not our timing. But the other thing is, is this. We can make all the gods that we want. But they will never compare to the one true God. They will never compare to the one true God. I didn't get a chance to say this in the first service, but this morning as I was te- when I was teaching through this text and as I was studying this week through this text, I-, I want you to see the shift of what takes place. They're going, man, hey, make us gods who shall go before us. Look at verse 2. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in your ears and of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it a golden calf. And they said, these "These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be the feast to the Lord. So here's what another thing I want you to see. Okay. If we were to go back to Exodus chapter nine, we don't have time to turn there. You're just going to have to trust me in this. Look this up this week for you that have been going through Exodus with us. You will remember this in Exodus chapter nine. What was the one of the plagues? God kills every livestock of all the Egyptians. You know why? Because the Egyptians worshiped calves in that day. And, and, and so now, they're fast-forwarding to Exodus chapter 32. God has taken them out of slavery. He's delivered them out of that slavery. He's now given them a, a new identity. He's taken them to a promised place, a promised land. He's leading them to there. Moses is at the right place at the right time because he is worshiping God. He is looking to God just like most good leaders would for instruction. But the people get a little crazy when the leader's not around. And so they start questioning, and they start making up gods of themselves, and they decide to make a golden calf do you not remember israel that in exodus chapter 9 when god brought the plague of killing all the wildlife and it stank you remember that like we got to that verse and i said it stank and i thought that was a really cool word that they put that in the bible stank because all of this deadness was around so god has taken a plague and killed all their Wildlife, all their livestock, all the calves that they once worshipped, and now what could they come up with to worship? A calf? Are you kidding me? And it made me think about when I got to go to India, a year coming up on a year ago now, and I walked into these Hindu temples, and there were all these gods. Hindus worship 33 million gods. And many of them are made out of gold. And then I thought about brothers and sisters of mine or friends of mine. They're not necessarily brothers and sisters of mine, but people that I know that are Buddhists. And they have these golden-shaped Buddhas that they worship because they want to see it and they want to touch it. And guys, i got to be honest with you. When I start thinking about all those different religions and all those different idols, can I tell you something? It fails in comparison to what my God has done for us. Why? Because every ism that you will ever put your faith and trust in depends on you getting into heaven, and what Jesus has done for us, we could not do for ourselves. So they've made a golden calf, and now they're worshiping it. Another thing I want you to see is through all those plagues when Aaron and Moses went into Pharaoh and told them, what did the Lord usually tell Moses and Aaron? Tell Pharaoh, tomorrow I'm about to show out. So he can either repent today and tomorrow won't come, or if tomorrow comes, it's going to be different than it was going to be, or if he doesn't repent, tomorrow's coming. Look at what it says. They made this God. He received the gold. He makes it into a golden calf. They said, these are our gods, O Israel, who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, verse 5, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. Look at verse 6. They rose early up the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Verse 6. And the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up and play. Hey, look, you might play with a false God, but you're not going to play with a living God. I was thanking the Holy Spirit for showing me that because too often in our idols, we might play with idols, but when you are worshiping the one true living God, you're not going to play with that. Amen? Look at verse seven. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf, and have worshipped it, and sacrificed to it, and said, These are our gods, O Israel, you brought you who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. And here's what I want you to see this morning. Not only is God's timing not our timing, not only is Moses in the right place worshiping, and should we not be worshiping, but here's the other reality. God will have no other gods before him, and if you do worship other gods and other idols, can I tell you something? The wrath of God is coming. I had people in the first service say, man, you're preaching hell and brimstone. No, I'm just preaching the text. And if it happens to be hell and brimstone, it's okay because there is a hell. And can I tell you something? When you die, there will come a judgment. And I don't know if you know this or not, but when you die, I'm not going to stand there with you and answer all your questions because I got enough junk I got to answer for myself. Like when we stand before God, can I tell you something? The wrath of God will bring judgment on the sins of my life. And guess what? I will give an account for it. But I know we don't preach that because that doesn't fill up the, the, the auditorium. But can I tell you something? If I truly love you as my brothers and sisters in Christ, I will teach this message. I will preach this word. Why? Because you would rather know it about it now than then because then we'll be too late. So let's just look back over these first 10 verses for a second. They're upset, why? Because Moses is not there. Can I share something with you? We're not much different. Don't let a pastor be somewhere where he's supposed to be. And oh, by the way, let me rephrase that. Let a pastor not be where you think he's supposed to be. You're going to bring the wrath on me. Or whoever the pastor is, or whoever the elder is, or whoever the staff member is. Can I tell you something, church? And I hope you hear this in the right ears. This is not me being judgmental. I am not responsible for your spiritual relationship with God, you are. Now, I am to encourage you, and I am to help equip you, and I am to try to lead you to Christ, but you and you alone are responsible for your devotion and your commitment with God. Because can I tell you something? When What we're about to see is when Moses comes down and he calls Aaron out, and Aaron blames it on the people, we're not going to be able to say it was somebody else's fault when we stood before God. Because today, hear me, every one of you that can hear my voice, today you are hearing the call of God you are hearing the the subject that that needs to be heard, that there shall be no other gods before him. And if you don't hear that, then you're missing that because God is letting you hear it today. You know what the writer of the New Testament says? Those who have heard about Jesus will give a greater, they have a greater responsibility to Jesus than those who haven't. We don't have time to do this, but if you had time to turn to Romans chapter 1, no different than what's taking place there. Paul is writing that the people of Rome have decided to worship the created instead of the creator. And what does God do? He gives them over to it. So you can worship anything you want to, but eventually it will become your end, it will become who you are. So there is a wrath that is building up in God, okay? And and listen to what it says in verse 10. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and that I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. Can I tell you what God's doing right here? He is reacting to the sin of the Israelites. He is reacting to their sin. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, and we got to go really, really fast, so you got to listen really, really quick. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, great and in power with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent? Did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham and Isaac and Israel and your servants to whom you have swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all the land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented, look at this church, the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people here's what i want you to see He had reacted, Moses is almost like an Old Testament um, character of the promise of who Jesus would be for us one day, because guess what church, not a person in this room all the way from this side, all the way around the other side, back to myself, doesn't deserve wrath. We deserve wrath, we deserve punishment, we deserve hell, but guess what, just like Moses stood in the place for the Israelites, Jesus stood in our place and he said, Father, don't hold them accountable. Put it on me. What God should have done is reacted and brought wrath, but what he did was he responded and brought grace. Keep going with me. Verse 15, then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with two tablets on the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back where they were written. The tablets were the work of God. The writings was the writing of God engraved on the two tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. Look at verse 19. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dance in Moses, anger burned hot and threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it in powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink from it. Here's what I want you to see in this. Moses has said to God, hey God, hey Lord, please don't do away with them. Please remember your promise. Moses comes down from the mountain because Moses is leading the people. And can I tell you something? You know why sometimes leaders get mad at the people that they're leading is because sometimes the people aren't following the leaders. Now, trust me, there's some leaders we don't need to follow. But if a leader fears God and he loves God and he's honoring God and he's obeying God, then we need to follow him. But even when you're doing that, when they don't obey, sometimes even good leaders get angry. I'm not making an excuse why I react sometimes. Just being honest. But we get mad. And Moses has gotten mad. And he gets so mad that he grabs his calf, he burns it up, puts it in the dust, throws it in the water, and then this is what he says. Now go drink from it. This is what you wanted. Now go drink from it. Remember when the first plague in Exodus turning the water to blood? He's saying this, church. He's saying this, if you don't realize it, that which you want is exactly what you're going to get. And when you get it, you're going to have to take it and you're going to have to eat it and you're going to have to drink it and you're going to have to live it. And trust me, when you're eating and drinking and living amongst these false idols, I don't think that's really what you signed up for. Got to keep going. Look at verse 25. Excuse me, verse 21. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? Hear hear it out. Hear it out. This is us. Make sure you don't miss it. What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. Now I get it that the people rose up and said, Aaron, we need a God. And Aaron's like, okay, I'm the provider. Let me bring you one. You know I tell you not to follow me? You follow me long enough, you're going to get tripped up. You put your faith in me, I'm going to let you down. Aaron's like, man, I love it. Moses is gone. He ain't here. I'm the man. I'm in charge. You want a God? I give you a God. All you could give me was a golden calf. Are you serious? Now, I understand some of us worship some crazy stuff up in this room. We're going to get to that in just a minute. I don't, I don't follow fish. Oh, just hold on. It's coming. But Moses says, Aaron, what did these people do? Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. So Aaron does what? He passes the buck, he throws the people under the bus. Look at verse 23. For they said to me, make us gods and you shall go before us. And for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And a good assistant leader would have looked at the people and said, hey, Moses is coming back. Moses is exactly where he wants to be. But I don't know if you know this or not. But when the leader is not present, other people will rise up and say, I know what to do. That's the reason if you're not confident in your faith, you need to be very careful about who you follow. Man, there's some fake gospels out there. We ain't got time for that. That's another sermon. Look at verse 25, or verse 24. So I said to them, let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. We threw the gold in, and out came a calf. Really, Aaron? For real? Couldn't have created a fish. You couldn't created a a, a, like a lion. You couldn't created. You couldn't have done anything. Are you kidding me? A calf? Well, I threw it in, it came out of calf. And we know that's not true because God sees everything. God saw when Aaron was carving it and making it, and we saw last week that God gave Aaron those gifts to be able to do that, and now he's doing what? Instead of honoring God, he's honoring himself. Because he thinks, man, if they worship this, they'll they'll worship me too. Can I tell you something? I don't want you worshiping me. I got enough problems of my own with a bunch of people following me around going, I want to be like him. No, you don't. No, you don't. Why do you think every time I pray, in Jesus' name, the one I want to be like when I grow up, you don't want to be like me. And I know for us that grew up in the 90s and Michael Jordan was all that in a box of cookies, I want to be like Mike. Not being funny, you don't want to be like Mike either. The new guys are like Steph Curry, LeBron James. No, you don't. Now, I wouldn't mind having their money, but I don't want to be like them. If you ever get their money, don't forget the church. I don't ever talk about offerings. Don't freak out about that. Verse 25, And then Moses saw that the people had broken loose, and Aaron let them break loose to the the residents of the enemies. Then Moses stood at the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Church, can I tell you something? You're going to have to answer that question this morning. Who's on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around me and said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you. Go in, go to and fro from the gate throughout the camp. Each of you kill his brother, his companion, and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of people fell. And Moses said, today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one, of, one at the cost of his sons, of his brothers, so that he might bestow a blessing upon this day. We don't have time to continue on, but listen to this in closing. Ben, go ahead and make your way back up. You know, as we look at these verses this morning, I want you to see something that's remarkable. This entire text, Exodus 32, I want you to see something that's remarkable. It's not the sin of the nation And it was huge. Remember the plagues? God was destroying the Egyptian gods. Cows were one of them. He had already killed them. Remember, as I said earlier in Exodus chapter 9, now they were making a golden calf, and they had seen a God do so much more, as well as parting the Red Sea, the manna from heaven, the pillar of fire, and they still wanted a God they could see and touch. And the golden calf served that purpose well. But turning from God, even in light of everything he had done is not all that remarkable because I've done it and I suppose if you're like me, you've done it too. A minute ago, I told you I was going to get personal. Every single one of us in this room have idols. Just like a golden calf. It's just not a golden calf. Some of us, it's our spouse. We're looking at our husbands and wanting to find our identity. Can I tell you ladies, your identity will never be found in a man. Man, we're looking at our wives and going, man, I want to find my identity in her. And we worship them and and we want them to bring us satisfaction. And they might bring you a temporal satisfaction, but they will not bring you a lasting satisfaction. Then we have kids, and we go, well, man, maybe my identity can be in my kids. And so we begin to worship our kids. And can I tell you something? Our kids can become idols. Or maybe it's our job. Maybe it's our career. Maybe it's our bank account. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's it's the F-250 or the Silverado that we drive or the Toyota Tacoma that we drive. Or maybe it's the 2,800-square-foot house or the 4,000-square-foot house. Or maybe it's living in this neighborhood or that neighborhood. Or maybe it's finally getting a a, a second house at this place or that place. And I'm not saying having those things are not okay. If you got the money to do that and you want to do it and you can bring God glory in those things, that's okay. But can I tell you something, church? If it becomes your idol of worship, you got to kill it. you got to break it down. you got to throw it in the fire because if you don't, guess what? You're going to be drinking from that well the rest of your life. And can I tell you something? It might be more debt but it'll be more misery. I don't know a single person in this room that's bought a new car that three or four weeks after getting that new car that it wasn't new anymore. And I know it brought a feeling. New shirt, new watch, new phone. Man, we all been there. New shoes, we all been there. New house, we've all been there. New new this, new that. We've all been there. But that's not the only idols that we worship. Some of them are our team's. Man, we'll gather in stadiums this fall and we'll scream and holler and act like lunatics. I'm guilty. But we won't come in this place and we won't lift one hand to give Him praise and glory. And He is the giver of life. How dare us say that those are not idols. But that's not the remarkable part of this story that they sinned against such an amazing God The most remarkable part of this story is that God chose to change his mind. What's unbelievable in this statement, God heard the pleas of Moses, changed his mind about destroying the Israelite nation. Would there be a penalty of their behavior? Yes, 3,000 men would die. More punishment would come later, but a nation would not totally be destroyed that day. And here's what I want you to hear, church. You're going, but I don't understand it. Turn on the TV, church. It's everywhere. The sins of our lives are causing corruption all over this world. And we want to blame it on this group and that group. And we want to say it's because this foreigner's here. And it's because of that party. And it's because of these people. And it's because of the gun folks. And it's because of, can I tell you something, church? It is because of the sins of this world that we are dealing with the guards garbage and the junk that we're walking through and we will not admit it and guess what i'm guilty but if i'm guilty guess who else is guilty you're guilty but praise god god heard moses's cry and praise god that jesus god heard jesus's cry because the most remarkable part of this story is is not only was a nation not destroyed that day I'm glad I serve a God who is capable of changing his mind because I need him to change his mind about me. Paul told the Christians in Rome, God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hear this, church, and we're done. God didn't wait for us to be good in order to love us. He didn't wait until we were living right in order to send his son as a solution for your sins and my sins. He met me and you at the foot of the mountain, worshiping all the gods of success, wealth, lust, and he changed his mind about destroying me and you and I'm glad we serve a God who changed his mind and responded instead of reacting this is the remarkable story of Exodus chapter 32 because can I tell you something if I was God I would be so mad and so angry that I'd done all this good stuff and I'd done all these things for you and you still turn your back on me and guess what church we've done it today we did it yesterday and sinner if we live and wake up tomorrow we will do it tomorrow but praise God for grace. Praise God for love. Praise God for mercy. And praise God for judgment because judgment's coming. And praise God, it's not today. You got an opportunity. You got a chance. But you got to put your faith and your trust in him. And you got to believe and you got to live it as if it matters. And I'm tired of people telling me, well, I don't feel it anymore. And I just don't get it anymore. Well, if you don't feel it, you never had it. And if you don't have a relationship, you don't know it. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of religious people in this room. But religion is going to lead you to hell When you get to heaven He's not going to say Did you go to community? Did you go to Baptist? Did you go to Pentecostal? Did you go to Presbyterian? He's going to say Did you know me? Did you put your focus on me? Did you worship me? Because he sees everything And that which is in darkness Will come to light So I'm going to read it one more time to you But God showed his love for us That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Will you bow with me for a second? Father God, I pray in these moments that you've spoken through me. And God, as the great Reverend Billy Graham once prayed and prayed often, if I've caused you any dishonor, take me out of this world because I don't deserve to live. But Father God, I beg you in these moments that you would crush idols in this place today and that people would run to King Jesus this morning. That this would be the day of salvation for some. That this would be the day of repentance for others. And that today would be a day that we wouldn't just go through the motions. That we wouldn't just sing another song. But we would truly get you for you. No counterfeits. Nothing can impersonate you. There is but one true living God. One true living Holy Spirit. One true living Savior. And his name is Jesus. And may we cry that out today. In Jesus' name.